Happy Thanksgiving from America. Happy thank. I guess I'm going to be the one saying it to you, right? Happy Thanksgiving to to America. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, yeah. We we are speaking to each other via the internet on Thursday, November the twenty fourth, Thanksgiving Day in America. And uh, man, it's a, it's a it's like an excruciatingly slow paced week in terms of the, the the news turning off. But uh, you know, for the for the seven day period that we're yeah. in, but but uh, fortunately, we're talking about last week's news, not next week's so, or this week's. Uh, we'll begin with Apple's 2022 holiday ad. They released that. This is the annual ad that they 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 do for. Um, sometimes it's for a product, sometimes it's for the products, but uh, this year is I guess it's for a product, uh, and I don't know. I, I, I saw our colleague Chance reacted to it, and he was like, "He's disappointed." I, <laughs> he wanted... I was kind of disappointed as well. It's, it's not. It's not a tearjerker, is it? It's not going to be up there with some of their best because basically it's like just two minutes of a pumpy soundtrack with two people running around wearing AirPods and touching stuff, and it turning to snow, like a snow version of Midas. Um, but <laughs> that's that's. There's no like story or hook or anything complicated it's just two minutes of people kind of just dancing around turning stuff to snow and then it says share the joy it's like um, okay like the apple holiday ad always i feel like this feels like the most throwaway one they've done that i can remember because like, even last year's one it was like building up a snowman recorded in the iphone 13 i think using some cinematic mode stuff and you know there was a bit more of a story to it some of the best ones are like the um the misunderstood one from a while ago, but that was like a three minute ad of, you know, it has like a full story, you know, beginning, middle and end. And it all comes together in like a beautiful way. This one was just kind of like, eh, here's some AirPods, people wearing AirPods and they're dancing. Like we've, they've done that before. The only difference was that when you, that some of the stuff around them was turning into snow. Like, I don't know. I didn't, it didn't float my boat. Yeah. They, they did the AirPods when I think it was the year the HomePod came out. <laughs> they did AirPods for that year. They were always like, yeah, because behind. they did, they did a different, they did a, a different AirPods like twist holiday ad, and that one was better. I seem to remember. It was two, two people dancing, yeah, yeah, to the same music. In the and this one too is kind of this this twenty twenty two one is kind of showing off that same feature of audio sharing. So it's, is that what it's trying to do? Yeah, yeah. Like they show it, the yeah. people sharing the audio at the beginning of the clip. So okay, yeah, they're almost copying the exact same premise they've already done. And I feel like the first time they did it was better anyway. They they should do. Uh, I think they had like a a cut scene that that they they removed from, but it was losing your AirPods in the snow and then using Find My the the Find My features to that would at least make it. it more timely. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, who had the good ad this year? It was it was uh, your your retailer, John Lewis, right? That's what it's called. That's John Lewis. Yeah, John Lewis. Yeah, they had and they're, uh, they're like famous for having a emotional holiday ad. But but I'd say so is Apple. Like most times, so, yeah, Apple, so, yeah, they don't. They spend a lot of money on it, and they make like a big, like cinematic thing. But this year, it was like, um, no. <laughs> yeah. the 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 alternative would have been, um, like a family getting lost on top of a mountain or something on the way to grandma's house and having to use emergency SOS. Oh my! Did get out. We got lost at Christmas. Yeah. Like and- Apple's had some low, had some battle ads. They had that one which had like full CGI Santa that year doing Siri stuff. That was kind of wacko. Um. <laughs> but in general, I feel like they've been pretty good. And but this one was just kind of a bit of a letdown because if you 
I, I mean, you could almost watch the entire advert anyway and not connect it to the holidays. And then if you've got the snow reference, not just like white particles, uh, if you just take out the snow, it would just be like a normal advert. So it was a, I don't know, they could have done better, I thought. I, I will say this, my, my, my genuine reaction was, uh, I, I didn't watch it like when it came out on YouTube, but I saw it on TV um, and it just looked like an ad. <laughs> I, di- I didn't register it as this is the holiday ad yeah. for this year. Um, although I had seen, you know, your guys' reaction and like then that that's how I connected it. It was like, oh, this is what they were. Yeah, I guess that's kind of bland. Well, and, and the song's like super high paced, like hip hop rap kind of thing. You don't get the the holiday sense from it, you know, it's just. You, you know, it's a, a good ad for something besides John Lewis, which had a rendition of Blink-182 with the, the guy uh, learning to skateboard and uh adopting a kid it was really touching uh is um just the 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 generic ipad 10 ad it's so mm. colorful it makes that thing interesting with all of the accessories they play it so much on on uh on streaming uh that i had to start looking away from it because it was getting to me i was like yeah i do need that but i don't need that <laughs> <laughs> but no, i have to know that's good yeah i and in terms of ad load in general i think i've seen more Apple advertising for um their film Spirited One, you know the Will Ferrell Ryan Reynolds like musical holiday mm-hmm. musical thing than the Christmas ad, the 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 official Share the Joy ad so far. So yeah, that's timely. Yeah. Have you seen that yet? I haven't seen the film. I've heard it's some people hate it, some people don't like. Some people like it. I don't know. It's kind of. I think it's probably just be like standard, you know, holiday fare, like inconsequential but fun. You know, fun. If you like musicals, I'm sure you'll be alright. I had an old boss say that it was it was like. You 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 wouldn't think that you could put Ryan Reynolds and and Will Ferrell together and make a bad movie, but it turns out, oh, that's about spirited. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some people like it. I've seen I've seen positive reviews. I've seen negative reviews. So it's it's very one of those things that's going to be tonally divisive. I don't think it's like standout standout, but I don't think it's just like you know trash either. Uh, let's see. So we've got uh, starting at midnight, Apple's Black Friday. Through Cyber Monday, sell the annual special shopping event. I think that's what they call it. They call it an Apple shopping event, yeah. And Apple it's, shopping it's event. almost as interesting as the advert, the TV because <laughs> they're doing the same formula again as like every year that I can remember, where they just give you a, a gift card with something that you buy, and it. And to make matters worse, the gift card value is pretty low, and they don't support um that it's, it's in like the the latest models are in, 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 ineligible. So <laughs> it's like the headline is you can get a gift card with the purchase of like an iPhone, iPad, or Mac. But if you actually look in the details, you can't buy an iPhone 14 or 14 Pro and get any discount at all. They're just on sale for normal. You've got iPhone, and I don't think you can get an iPhone 13s. I think it's 13 Mini only or something. It's like crazy so you, if you have buy an iphone 12 you can get a gift card <laughs> and then like the latest ipad 10th generation also not allowed you have to go to the ninth generation and get a 30 dollar gift card etc 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 going down the line um they've done this before and i guess it's no surprise they're doing it again but as usual most retailers like third party retailers have the same products on a bigger discount without it than it just being a, a reduction on the price not oh here's a gift card because you can't use the gift card to discount the, the price of the product you have to use the gift card on another purchase in the future so for example you can find an ipad ninth generation for much less than 30 dollars off elsewhere 
Whereas Apple, you buy it full price and you get a $30 gift card. So if you want to buy from Apple officially, then you know now's not a terrible time because you're getting more than you normally do. But if you're actually looking for the best deal, then go on uh, 95toys or any of those websites that tell you deals and uh, you'll find much better deals without really looking. Yeah, I, I've seen some uh, Apple deals that are interesting to me, like um, HomePod Mini for $80. Air yeah, I want to buy a home mini for... actually, but I, at least in the UK, I haven't seen a discount yet that was any good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Air Air Tag four pack for seventy five dollars, so basically a free Air Tag. That's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, the Apple MagSafe uh, battery pack for the iPhone for seventy five, so twenty five percent off. That's that's you know any any time you get stuff like that, it's pretty pretty good. Um, and then I I saw uh. I know my sister was talking about getting AirPods Pro, and she was like, "When are they coming out with new ones?" And it was like the last September. She's like, "Really?" And, and she said she was looking at AirPods Pro, and they were down to one eighty. And I was like, "Honestly, yeah, AirPods Pro first gen, you're fine to get those for one eighty versus paying the, the full price AirPods Pro too." I told her all the differences, and yeah, uh, yeah, I'd say the the cost saving is worth it because uh, yeah, the yeah. improvements are nice, but they're not like crazy. Mhm. Yeah. And um, let's see what else. Oh, that was. And I'm that, kind of that, looking out for some like more HomeKit stuff as I yeah you know, flesh out the home and stuff. And I'm going to buy a TV, taking advantage of Black Friday discounts. Fingers crossed. So I'm, I'm into it. You know, a lot of the years I just like let Black Friday sail by, but at least this year I have some because I've moved to a new place. I actually have stuff to buy anyway, so it kind of lined up time wise. Yeah, my my so the the big thing for me, Air, uh, AirPods Max, because they're the the rumor this year several months ago was that there would not be a hardware revision; it would just be a color change this year alongside AirPods Pro two. But that didn't happen. You know, it's still the original colors of AirPods Max. Um, price wise, like Apple's still full price. I don't know if they do a gift card or not on on their shopping event, but. Um, you see Amazon and Best Buy and Target and all those retailers have them for one hundred dollars less than the five fifty asking price. So um that that's about it's closer. Like if they were three fifty or less, I'd just be like, they're so worth it, you gotta yeah. get them. But for four fifty, they're still premium expensive and they're I mean, the only thing dated to me is gonna be when when everything's USB C and they use lightning, but um and and unless they do something in the future with wired support for lossless audio and and that's yeah, which is that, also a rumor <laughs> yeah 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 that it, was the kind of that was the kind of narrative that it was kind of getting built up this year was that like the airpods pro 2 would get some higher quality audio mm-hmm. uh with the new hardware and then the airpods max would get like a firmware update to support the high quality audio with and then to go alongside that they'd release some new color options but none yeah, of those things rem- have come to pass except for the fact that the AirPods Pro 2 do support Bluetooth 5.3, which is higher bandwidth, so it could support a higher, you know, a higher bitrate. But right now, you can't actually use that. So it's unclear what the what Apple's plans are there. Yeah. So I, I, I so for that reason, I I feel like if you do get a savings and you've wanted AirPods Max for a while because they're so so good, that uh, it's it's not a terrible time to buy them because, you know, who knows how long it could be before they get a refresh. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and and also in the spirit of how uh, holiday shopping is hard to buy a lot of things right now. So, what the I think the iPhone 14 Pro especially has been the most difficult, at least through Apple. You're seeing ship dates 
you know, beyond a month from now. So you're not going yeah, to be past Christmas. You're past Christmas if you're buying for Apple for the iPhone yeah. 14 Pro line because of the um, production issues that we discussed before where they've had to release that statement and everything now. Um, but even the iPhone 14 is like scarce. Uh, Dan Ives and Webbush said that Apple actually sell 2 million fewer iPhone 14 units this year compared to last year just because of lack of availability. So if they're not available to buy, then sales are going to be lower. So which is probably one reason why they're not included in the Apple Store uh, discount because if they're out of stock already, then why bother slapping yeah, a gift card on it? You don't want it to otherwise, yeah, yeah. Not necessarily a demand problem, even if the iPhone 14 is kind of boring compared to last year. It's it's, st- it's still a supply problem. So. Yeah, and we keep seeing these reports that like the iPhone 14 and the iPhone 14 Plus sales are slightly weaker than expected, but that seems to be more than made up for for uh, iPhone 14 pro demand so it's kind of evened out and yeah like i think the overall smartphone market declined this year but apple uh, was like five percent up so they're they're sitting pretty if nobody else is <laughs> happy hour this week is brought to you by upside inflation is real who isn't wincing at their latest food or energy bill and naturally we're all having to think about cutting back eating out less conserving energy subscribing to less streaming services whatever it is we can all agree that there's nothing fun about less but Upside can help. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. Earn cash back on every purchase with Upside. In fact, Upside offsets the inflated prices by giving you cash back. That means you don't have to cut back as much because you can earn cash back on what you buy, including essentials like gas. To get started, download the free Upside app and use our promo code 9to5Mac and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Then whatever you're buying, claim an offer in the Upside app, check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and that's all it takes for you to get paid with cashback appearing in your Upside account. And it's real money cashback, no points or loyalty rewards to mess about with. And Zach, I know you tried Upside out, right? Yeah, it was super easy to use. It kind of felt like magic. You just go on the iPhone app, in, in my case, and you set up your account and you give it not even your whole debit or credit card number but enough of it to be recognizable identifiable i guess and and then you just make the purchase like you check into the store you're in before you make your purchase you just make the purchase like for me it was gas at a gas pump without even speaking to a clerk and um you know just pay for gas as normal totally totally normal and then look at the iphone app and it's giving me an alert that i've saved you know x amount of money on that and like i said it kind of felt like magic it's it's really neat how they how they have the system working and in fact, in comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are already earning more than a million dollars a week on the app. So download the free Upside app and use promo code 9to5Mac to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code 9to5Mac. Thanks to Upside for sponsoring the show. All right, next up, you've got some... some uh more experience with home kit secure video and eve's outdoor camera so you kind of got a review to give on that and your experience so tell us about that yeah so i've obviously um moved into this house now so i've been looking at like security options and stuff and i don't like the house doesn't have um like a proper alarm system and stuff and the the home kit secure video isn't advertised as a replacement for an alarm system but you know, having camera supervision is definitely a good, it gets you a lot of the way there and it gives you the peace of mind. So 
Since I moved in, I've had the Eve indoor cam set up in the living room pointing at the front door just to make sure that nobody's coming in when I'm not around. And um, they actually sent me the outdoor cam as well about a month ago now. And I got it installed about two weeks ago. And so this is basically just my experience using it and some insights into the whole like homesick, homekit secure video process because uh, you can get some other, not many, there's like a handful of, of homekit compatible cameras out there. Um, you can get some that support a third party service as well as HomeKit Secure Video. So if you're looking for like the more um, locked down security options, you can get something like Arlo or something and they they can back up to their cloud service that you have to pay for, of course, and also appear inside of the Home app and do the HomeKit stuff. But Eve has no subscription because uh, it has no associated service with it. It's just streaming to the HomeKit Secure Video platform, which backs up to your iCloud account storage. So if you pay for iCloud already, you can store the video clips from the eve camera without any additional payment the i will say one of the negatives of the camera uh is that it is quite expensive so the outdoor cam is like 250 dollars uh, which is quite a lot uh but you know long story short i think it's been i've been very happy with it I, I, you know so i didn't have to pay for it my money of course they they did give it to me to try out uh but i would definitely consider buying it for sure on my own because i haven't had any problems with it like a lot of um, people I see online say that they get a lot of no response errors or just flakiness when it comes to HomeKit cameras. Both the Eve indoor cam and the outdoor cam I've been using haven't had an issue. I have strong Wi-Fi to them, which helps, but it like I haven't had any of the weird like cutouts or flakiness. Uh, so what is the Eve outdoor camera? Uh, it's basically like a, a rectangular thing that replaces outdoor light and it uses the uh, light's wiring circuit to power itself and it's got a camera on it and it's got a big uh, floodlight at attached to it so one of the things that you want to think about when you're like installing these like smart cameras is that obviously they take out space and they're not the most pretty things in the world so if you're going to stick one outside and go to the effort of getting it installed it might as well also be a light <laughs> that was my logic uh, so this is what this does it has a big floodlight on the top and it has the camera part on the bottom and so the floodlight is kind of an independent thing. You can control it in the home app if you want to, but I think what most people do, including me, is they just let the Eve automatic like motion light thing handle the light. So you can choose to have the light never come on automatically or come on automatically all the time or come on automatically at night when it detects uh, movement. So that's what I have it on. So you can, and obviously you can buy a floodlight from you know any hardware store or anything and you can just plug them in yourself. And what I was replacing was a floodlight that turned on with motion but now you get that feature and the light's perfectly fine it's very bright you get that combined with the smarts of the actual camera stuff so with the camera you can choose to have it uh stream or record or stream uh, when you're at home and when you're away independently and so the the way home gets video works is it doesn't record continuously it only records when a motion activity happens or not at all if you've turned it off so if you're really privacy conscious you can say like don't you let the camera record or stream when you're at home only do it when you're away from the house um or you can and then based on geofencing or you can have it do only stream when you're at home so you can look at the camera feeds uh, but not record or you can just have it do stream and record at all times when it detects a motion event and you can say like uh, and you can also then set up separately notifications so you can have motion events record if something happens later in the day you want to go back and check you can do that and just independently you can get notifications for when um activity happens and the way HomeKit Secure Video works is it takes a secure end-to-end -end encrypted video feed from the camera, takes it to a home hub. So you have to have like an Apple TV or a HomePod set up to process the events. 
it does like the analysis on the video to work out if there's like people in the frame or an animal or something and then it stores it to iCloud that way uh, so I have a, like an Apple TV that it just silently communicates with and then it it sends out notifications to my devices as I've set it up so installation of the physical camera itself was quite fiddly like the video they show they just replace a standard outside light and it's like three wires and then you just plug it in you screw it in you thing it around my wiring on this light was a bit more complicated because it was like also attached to a light around the side of the house so the circuit diagrams that they give you didn't match up so i had to get help with that because i didn't understand it um but the person that did install it for me said the actual unit was very secure he was very impressed with the build quality and stuff and so overall the installation was pretty solid and it's like water it's, it's rated for waterproofing stuff you can put it outside mine's positioned in like an enclosed like porch area but it's rated to be used outside so it can be rained on and stuff uh, and it's it just connects over wi-fi setup was in terms of the, the smart home side was effortless i just opened the home app and then like it just the, the status light on the camera just starts blinking and then boom it connects into the side of the application no issues whatsoever the presentation of the camera in the home app on the iphone and the ipad and the mac is really nice but ever since the ios 16 update because you get like this like panoramic little tile at the top which shows your cameras and so i've got an indoor cam and outdoor cam and it just does like a side by side of both cameras next to each other and so when you open the home map on the phone it by default it just shows you like a snapshot that it updates every 15 seconds and then if you want to see the live camera feed you tap on it and you see the feed and then when you're moving about it then sends you notifications and you can set up automations and, and alerts to it the camera quality is i believe 1080p which is like the limit of home secure video they don't support 4k at all because i think the processing for the end-to-end encrypted stuff takes a lot of processing power so the, the, the cameras just don't exist to support high resolution and it's not the highest quality 4k um, 1080p camera you've ever seen like it does look a bit pixelated and stuff but it's more than fine for using it as like a security camera kind of setup like you can talk or you can it has a microphone on it, it has a speaker on it so you can do you know two-way talking and it has a night vision mode so it works in the daytime or the nighttime and even if them so if the floodlight doesn't come on you can still actually see people in black and white because of the uh the night the night vision uh support and that works well the camera and um, the, the audio quality is good the person can hear you you can talk back so if, if you're like upstairs or something and they're at the door you can quickly talk, talk that way and just say hang on a minute i'll come down there um the activity zone so by default it just responds to any motion that it can see which is good in theory but you've quickly learned you're going to get a lot of false positives um, and this is kind of blending less into like the the hardware side of things just the what home secure video can actually support and so the um the activity zones by default are just like the entire vision of the camera but you can go in the home app and like tweak it so that you can just cut out a certain region so what i was finding is after i first installed it is that it was it was triggering her a lot because it would see like cars going across the road outside or it see people that she walking past the house and of course it's kind of noisy just to get notifications for that so you can set the activity zone up and basically draw like a polygon on the video feed and it only does alerts inside that area uh, which is nice um the what i was kind of hoping is so i don't have a doorbell i just people just like knock on the door use the little like knocker thing and i was kind of hoping when i installed this that i'd be able to use i wouldn't need to get like a separate doorbell and i could just use this so the idea would be oh someone's at the door it's going to send me a notification which does happen but the notification the the time when the notification is received is a bit delayed compared to when people just so it doesn't send it immediately there's like a three to five second lag uh which if you're upstairs and you don't hear the door it's fine but using it as like a standard doorbell uh doesn't quite 
fit the bill for that because people end up standing on the outside of the door thinking like did you actually hear them or not or what, what what's going on so i don't think it fully replaces that the doorbell use case and of course you can get HomeKit doorbell separately and this product's mostly advertised as a security camera rather than like a doorbell replacement so that's not really a criticism on the product it's just a fact because i when i was coming out to before i was thinking oh if i just get a camera with a with a light then i won't need a doorbell fanciness i can just use that but the the delay on the notifications uh, kind of limits that utility uh, a bit and because I think the reason it's delayed is it's doing the processing. So it can detect people, it can detect animals, it can detect if a package is left on the doorstep, um, or it can just detect general motion. And for people detection, it also works with the photo libraries. So you can do face recognition. And I found all of the motion and activity tracking to actually be really, really reliable. Like it notices when there's someone in the frame. It very commonly recognizes people that are in my photo library. If there's an animal there, it does that too. Um, it, it, the 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 package person animal and face recognition stuff just works way better than i thought it would like i thought it'd work some of the time but it actually works a lot of the time uh, and it can even do like combinations so if you have like a if a, if there's a, a person and delivering the package it will say a person and a package was identified or you know or an animal and a person was in frame if there's someone with a dog or something and so it can like do little combinations and you can also set up the notifications to ignore people based on face recognition. So if you have other people in your family or you have like family members that you trust to come around your house, you don't need to be worried about getting notified about them. You can just mute the notifications. So I muted myself. I can mute some other family members if I want to. And then you're just reducing the amount of you know, notifications that you don't care about. This works great when you're facing forward, i.e. you're walking up to the door because it can get a clear view of your face. And nine times out of 10, it actually detects the right person. If it doesn't detect the right person, it would just say someone is at the you know someone is outside or whatever. Um, the the one time that's kind of frustrating uh, is that it also detects it does people detection when you're leaving. So like when I open the door to leave and walk down the street, it then gives me a notification saying someone's been detected outside because mm. it's seeing me from behind and it can't do the face recognitions because you're coming from behind. And so every time you leave the house, you get a notification, which is pretty annoying. And I haven't worked out a good way to fix this. This is one of the big like feature requests for him to get secure video is there needs to be more control of when the like activity detection is on. Because what I'd like to do is be like, because I, I, because I want to use it kind of like as the doorbell alternative, I don't want to turn off notifications when I'm at home. Because that'd be one solution if you said you only get notifications when you're away from home. And that does work. You have to be about 100 feet from your house and then it just turns it on or it turns it, it can turn recording on or it can turn recording off. But if I want to keep the notifications working while I'm at home, like maybe I'm upstairs and I don't hear the door, so it's nice to get a little notification that there's a delivery man there or something. Um, in that case, you're kind of stuck with the situation of just getting absent alerts when you walk outside because there's no way to like automate the turning off of the activity. It's just on all the time or off all the time when you're at home or not that's the only like axes you get to customize it what i'd love to see is some way to like let's say i put a motion sensor near the door and i could say like for five minutes after motion is detected at the door don't notify me because then it would mute it would address the issue because i could just mute the camera basically for five minutes while i left the house um or what you know even something like one minute would be enough but that kind of control with automation isn't possible there's no ex the, the 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 feature of the detection is not exposed to automations in any way at all you can just turn it on or off entirely um so that is a bit of an issue uh and because you could even get like a home kit if, if it did work you could even like install a home kit door sensor that actually just recognizes doors being opened and closed and mute the camera temporarily for that 
uh, but that just not available and that's something we have to wait for apple to add or support in a better way the other thing is you can get HomeKit secure video alerts come to the apple tv so if you're watching tv it can show a little thumbnail and it can say like you know um dad is at the door or whatever which is cool when you've got the tv on but those alerts don't happen you can't make them happen on the home pod they can work if you've got a home kit doorbell with a video camera yeah. it does trigger the home pods but if you've just got a camera you can't get the camera alerts to go to home pods it only like it requires the doorbell for that feature to work even though it works on the apple tv it doesn't work on the home pod um and then ideally you also could do like a, just with a throttle for the alerts in general so when i'm doing the bins it's you know tuesday's bin night I have to go in and out of the house like five times in a row and it pings every single time I leave or enter. There's no way to say like, if you've detected motion, just shut up for five minutes and then do it again or two minutes. Or if you see the same person in quick succession, ignore them. It will ping every single time. So, you know, my dad's been around doing some like um, building renovation stuff uh, and he keeps going out to the car to get something. It'll I'll get like five pings in a row. It's like, you can mute the whole home app for an hour or the day or whatever just using the system muting options for notifications but it really feels like they need like a slightly more fine-grained system because i could say mute my dad entirely but i don't want that i just want like mute him for half an hour mute him for an hour or something or if he walks in if he's come in the house don't mute when he leaves so you know something like that um and those kind of controls don't really exist but overall i've been pretty pleased like and and the, the, the my main my main complaints are things that Apple could fix just with software improvements to the HomeKit ecosystem. It's not about the hardware. Like that camera can now sit outside there for months and years to come. And if Apple ever does upgrade the software um, options for HomeKit video, that would just get a firmware update and it will support it too. So big thumbs up for the Eve Outdoor camera. Uh, HomeKit Secure Video, in terms of what it does, like what it actually says it will do, has worked flawlessly for me almost entirely. You know, a couple of times I feel like the face recognition was not incorrect. It just felt like it could have detected someone when it didn't. But overall, very happy with it. It's just the the areas where it doesn't, it could do a lot more and give you a lot more controls so you could reduce the amount of like error notifications you get and stuff. But I've been overall happy with it because I was nervous going in with everybody saying like, oh, the flakiness and the video, yeah. you know, the no response problems. But, you know, touch wood, I've been, I've been plain sailing in that regard. Right. I... I... It's been about three, four years since I've used a bunch of HomeKit secure video cameras or just HomeKit video cameras in general. But I guess before it was, they had the feature of of proper integration. And like I, one of the coolest things for me, you know, the the big appeal is having this in the home app everywhere. There's a home app, so all your devices, whether and versus you know it being say a, a, um, a single company app that's only available on the iPhone and, and that's it. Um, and so you've got the ability to do things like check in from your Mac, um, get the alert on the Apple TV if it's a doorbell camera or, or, or if it's a camera at all. And then if it's a, a doorbell on the HomePod, um, a lot of cool integration there. What, when you were speaking, it reminded me of the experience uh, four years ago now that was um, I, I was I was going to, I was doing a half marathon run and um, my uh, mother-in-law at the time was watching my son. And uh, because you can, I had the Apple watch and I was on cellular, no iPhone. And because Homestead Kids Secure Video is so tied to all the Apple products, you could use the home app on the Apple watch and see a live stream of your, your video feed, which is 
I think really cool. Like that, yep. that's kind of a, <laughs> you, you just don't get that from your um, single company app, you know, uh, video camera. And, but and I the also, single company app also aren't going to support like the Apple TV at all or the Mac. Right. right? Yeah. It's basically yeah. like you get the iPhone or you get a website experience generally. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, so I remember being on the bus going from like where the finish line is to the starting line and, and just like, looking at my watch and like oh they're just they're they're doing good cool um but then during the race i kept getting the motion alerts and i had to turn off notifications entirely um which was it was impressive that it was even a thing and that was four years ago uh it was just i hadn't configured the alerts the right way but um and hearing your experience i know some things have changed since 2018 and 19 when i use these more um in terms of the, the filters and, and what you can do there and, and face um, recognition i think is new since you last tried it probably yeah yeah. yeah um but i think i think mainly what i'm so interested in hasn't changed which is the the finessing you need to do to make you know the system itself for videos i think they've, they've nailed that it's there's there's a lot you can't just set it and forget it when it comes to notifications yeah. and, and how that goes um and so i think what would be interesting to read would be sort of a, a guide to, you know, how you're, you're, you're using HomeKit home Secure Video for the first time. These are the things you're going to definitely want to consider without this, if you want to avoid it making you go mad and pull your hair out. Because I think out of the box you're going to get, it's going to be a pretty it's noisy too, experience. Too, yeah, it, it notifies for everything out of the box, which is too much. Yeah. And, and, it, and then it, you have the means, second degree, which is like additional controls that would help you refine it even further that just aren't possible. Yeah. So there's there's you know one one interesting thing about or, you know a review of this category is how do the different cameras compare and with almost kit secure video it kind of levels the playing field in terms of the features at least you know you'll get differences in quality and in detection and video quality and some brands seem more reliable than others right and sure. some some brands I think their cameras like overheat and stuff which then force yep. them to reboot and then they have to reconnect the home and that's a pain but yeah the stuff's and- been good in my experience. And features like indoor only or outdoor mm-hmm. compatibility, um, price, of course. But just just from a standpoint of okay, you're using HomeKit Secure Video now. I think it, I think that's the 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 meat of the review is these are the things you're going to want to do. These are the things that you you can't do yet, but that should be possible in the future. Um, and and hearing you talk about it, I mean, it's. It, it's interesting to me because it has been, you know, three, four years since I've been heavy involved in in, in trying this stuff out. Uh, and it sounds very familiar, except there are more options now that you can control. Yet there's still, you know, there's obviously still room for making this thing up up to what you what you really want it to do. Yeah. And like on the Apple TV, they have a really nice like HomeKit camera view when you hold down the TV button and you click on the home panel and it brings up like uh, a grid of your cameras and you can zoom into full screen to see one and then you can see the accessories that are near the camera and control them independently right from the tv and you can even put the t- the the home kit camera in picture in picture mode if you want while you're doing something else and so you get a lot of like good useful ui available on the apple tv the catch is the only way to access it is to hold down the the tv button the remote wait three seconds then click on the home thing and then make it appear like it'd be so much more useful if those camera um tiles could just be on the home screen of the apple tv but you can't do that either yeah t- tvos needs a little bit of an overhaul for that to be a thing yeah the third party app from aaron pierce home cam before apple had 
like we you could view multiple snapshots of video feeds at the same time on the home app that was the way to do it uh and and that app is on the apple tv as well as so, uh, you know again i haven't used HomeKit secure video in a couple of years but i remember having a really good experience with that app and yeah they, the, of, the one of the ios 16 changes to the home app has definitely been focused on upgrading the camera system to work yeah and the ui is like way better yeah so yeah big big thumbs up for me um Cool. You know, price is an issue on the outdoor cam, but I can't can't regret its reliability and its performance. So, yeah, yeah. What what I I tried a few different ones, and I remember I I did receive the Logitech Circle, Logitech Circle Two, when it first got HomeKit Secure Video, and I liked that enough that I ended up buying like three or four more of those and and setting them around and. Um, those, those are rated for indoors, but I had set some outdoors where they were protected from the weather and had a good, I, I don't know. Some so. people have like a camera in every room or whatever. That's so overkill. Like <laughs> I've got one outside looking at the front door it depends on, your needs. on the bottom floor, looking at the door, just so you've got an inside perspective. And that's kind of enough really. Like maybe I could have one more for like the back, you know, the back of the house, but just having a, a just being able to open the home app and at the very top, seeing a snapshot of. The you know if there's if anybody's left anything on the on the driveway or there's any packages that are on the doorstep or anything and you can just check that nobody's actually in the house by looking you know at the cameras in a in a glance that's just like super useful so, yeah I'm I'm I've been very happy with it overall and obviously there's always room for improvement but for something that doesn't have any ongoing recurring subscription aside from paying for iCloud which you pay for anyway it's mm-hmm. uh I'd say it's quite hard to complain about it's good yeah and and the the plan there is what is it one camera for one rate and then unlimited for the i think higher or tier? It, it, i think if you've got 50 gigabyte plan it's one camera if uh-huh. you've got the 200 gigabyte plan it's five cameras and if you've got the two terabyte plan it's unlimited yeah because it used to be kept at five total and then they they <laughs> but yeah people they, who they have listen more than five cameras unless you unless you own like a mansion it's really overkill like for a standard size house you probably need two or three max well front yard backyard Inside. side yard other side yard <laughs> it's possible if you're i guess really it's possible it. but like the utility of some of those is the fr- having cameras trained on the front door is where i yeah it's good i'm i'm happy with that this episode of happy hour is also brought to you by pia your internet service provider can know literally everything about what you do online it's like giving your laptop to a stranger and opening up your browsing history for all to see and that's just one of the reasons why you should use a vpn when you go online And I want to tell you about one of the best VPNs out there and easily one of the most affordable ones that I've seen, PIA. Sign up at piavpn.com slash happy hour. PIA stands for Private Internet Access. As you might be able to tell from the name, they take privacy seriously. PIA hides your IP address and encrypts your entire connection. That means no one can see what you're doing online. Not your ISP, not network admins, or not any hackers that are on the Wi-Fi. No one. PIA never record or store user data and their no logs policy has even been verified in court. And you also get endless entertainment options, virtually change your location and access content on streaming services that are normally geo-locked. You can connect to a VPN hosted on over 83 countries around the world using PIA and there's a dedicated server for every US state. Just one membership can protect up to 10 of your devices at the same time. And what I love about PA is just how easy it is. It's great as there's basically no setup required. They have apps for all Apple devices. So on my iPhone, for instance, I just downloaded the app, signed in, and the app 
uh, takes care of setting everything up for you. It puts a VPN profile on your phone. You just press allow and it does it all. And then you just open the PA app, press the big power on button, and it connects securely through the VPN. And when you're done, you just press the power button again and it turns it off. PAA has over 30 million downloads to date. See for yourself how it makes browsing so much better. Right now, go to paavpn.com slash happy hour to get a whopping 82% off your VPN service plus four free months with a two-year plan. It comes out to around two bucks a month. You can't beat that. And there's a 30-day money-back guarantee as well. That's paavpn.com slash happy hour for 82% off private internet access. paavpn.com slash happy hour thanks to paa for sponsoring the show hey next up we're going to look at apple music and apple classical the all the absence of (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i think for for people who don't care about classical music that's the interesting thing about this story the past year is that um it's one of the things apple's you know said that was coming this year and it's interesting because it's a separate app from the music app uh which is not something they've done before and it hasn't appeared yet. They really haven't spoken about it much since that first announcement last year. And I, I, I was looking back over it and, you know, seeing what Apple said, what Prime Phonics said, um, and kind of, you know, the details of that. So it could kind of get a better feel for what's happening. You know, what is it that they're either missing out on or, you know, what, what can we expect? And um, for, first thing in kind of looking at this was, just surfacing up stories that were before the Prime Phonic purchase by Apple. So one thing was our colleague Ben Lovejoy had written two years before Apple had bought Prime Phonic um, about how hard it is to um, use a streaming service for niche or just specific genres like classical music. There were others as well, um, but classical is one of the ones that was really written about in, in detail across the web. Um, and even that kind of led me to looking at who, who, you know, who are the people at Prime Phonic and everything. And before the Apple purchase, they were not on my radar, but in looking back at the, some of the stuff that was archived that's since been removed from the web, but, you know, thanks to the Wayback Machine there, you can find those things. Um, there was pretty, uh, there's, there's a lot of attention, you know, from, from the makers of Prime Phonic about how Spotify and Apple Music are, not the solution for classical music and that they're doing it a better way. Some of the things were, you know, we of course know about the metadata and how there can be many, many versions of the same song uh, uh, performance and that it's Apple music and Spotify are not organized in a way that makes that super easy to navigate right now or even discover. Um, And so that's one of the things one of the other things is um, that I, I, I guess I didn't know about until I was looking back at, you know, some of the writing that Prime Phonic had done before you know, getting bought by Apple, which is that um, they their their big thing, I think, from artists for artists, especially is their their payment model. So um, normally a streaming song, you, the artist gets compensated per um, per play. So, you know, you play one song, you get a tiny portion of that because the guy's like 0.0001 cent or something (laughs) right right and that's why you have you know playlists being so big is that you know you you go and and there's different rates too for like what is it a a song on repeat a song on a playlist a song played outside of the album so um it's pretty much the incentive there is though is to play um a collection of songs over and over again that you know 
uh, if, for, for the artist's sake and, and to be on as many playlists as possible for that reason. But it's, it's play, it's, it's pay for play though. And the thing Prime Phonic had written about extensively was the fact that, you know, the average pop song is three to four minutes long. And so pay for play makes a lot of sense there, but that you can have classical music performances that are um, half an hour or an hour or over an hour and pay for play there uh, doesn't incentivize that at all. And so Prime Phonic itself had a model that was play per second, um, you know, and I'm sure it's still like nano fractions of a penny, you yeah. know, of a cent. For, but the idea being that, you know, that if, if you've got one performance played for an hour, um, you know, that's 10 three minute pop songs uh, or excuse me, 20 three minute. I'm not a math person. I'm sorry. A lot of pop songs. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and so the their concern, though, was that it would change the way classical music is created in the future and it would take away from the way it's been. Um, and, and so, you know, that that part of it, I just didn't really I didn't know that before. Um, so I included that in the story that I was writing about, like, you know, what's the status of Apple Music Classical? Um, and so I, I do wonder, you know, is that something that they're that they're doing um, for the, you know, what when they the have model as well? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. When they when they have the separate app, is it as, you know, like, will Apple do for this genre a different payment model or will it be if it's played in the app of in the classical app? Um, so that's something that is is a new question I didn't know I had until I was kind of looking into all of this. Um, something else I didn't realize is that, well, and I will say that the, the CEO of Prime Phonic is a guy named uh, Thomas uh, Steffens. He's, his role went from, you know, CEO of Prime Phonic to Apple Music Business Development. And so I, I think business development is a role that you could probably look at and say, okay, they're making arrangements for how, how royalties are, are, you know, percentages are, are measured. So um, that's something I'd, I'd love to know, though, in the future is how, if they ended up adopting that model or or if it's just back to the way it was uh, seems like it was important for prime Monic at least um other thing i didn't realize is that um and i didn't inc include this in the piece because i was i found out after the fact but that um about a month ago um i don't have the source in front of me but there was a screenshot from the music app of classical uh, of a classical song you know in the, in the genre and it had uh an opening classical app dialogue and like open a button, yeah. Yeah, open an Apple Classical. Uh and so, you know, I think I think something that got my interest in this this week at least was I wonder if they're still even doing that thing as planned because the the purchase I knew it was in the last year was actually August last year, so there was a lot of of of, of runway between the beginning of this year and when they made that announcement. Um Apple had said Next year, we'll have the separate app experience. Um, Prime Phonic, I think, was a little bit more and uh, optimistic, and they said early next year. <laughs> so, <laughs> another thing was that um, they'd given a six-month transition for existing customers. They, they closed the Android app for Prime Phonic, and they um, discontinued service of the iOS app. But they gave existing customers of the iOS app. Uh, or you know, either app, I guess, uh, access to Apple Music, which is on Android as well, for for six for a six month period, which would get you through February. Um, and kind of, I, I started thinking, well, maybe you know, maybe they, they they didn't. I guess I guess what my 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 hunch was was like maybe they've decided not to do a separate app and they've got this whole thing. They're just going to do the obvious thing, which is improve the Apple Music classical experience in the music app. 
not have two different apps for this thing, um, which I think would make sense. But um, I, I there's I think there's enough evidence that the you know both in, in all those code findings that we've seen over the past year, which began surfacing in February again. So it feels like February might have been when they were really <laughs> hoping to to start this thing, at least from the Prime Phonics side. Um, but you know, see, seeing that user that that UI for you know an open in the music in the Apple Classical app, it's like okay, they're definitely going to do a separate app for this thing. Um, you know, everything will be playable in the music app, but you'll you'll have a different presentation in the um, Apple Music app, Apple Classical app. Um, so so there's that. There's um, just the number of people who've who've gone from the Primevonic team to Apple. Um, there's a list of I, I listed out maybe a couple dozen names who um, what their role was at Primevonic and what their roles are at at Apple and. You know, it's almost entirely they're working on something that's the equivalent of what they were doing before. Um, and, and it's like, OK, they're, they're they're not just I mean, you, you could look at that and say, OK, there's, they're doing that. But for the Apple Music app. But I, I, I do think now after, you know, spending some time looking at all this stuff that there's certainly going to be the the, the separate app, whether or not it makes the, the deadline of, you know, this year, that that's kind of an arbitrary deadline. I think Apple you know, just like they'll they'll say, you know, you believe they'll say for the Mac Pro, you know, next year we'll have the, the Mac Pro move to Apple Silicon. I would say this is the kind of thing they would just not even talk about. It would just yeah. be like, you just wait and see. They, they've um, delayed stuff more important than this. Yeah, yeah. Without yeah. much hesitation. Yeah, Because exactly. really, where we are now, you've got like one more. Because you have to remember is that, you know, Apple takes like Thanksgiving off. So that's like a mm-hmm. week gone. Uh, and they um, break up for Christmas by like the third week of December. Or even slightly earlier than that. And there's like a code freeze at the beginning of December. So practically speaking, the release of iOS 16.2 in early December is like last chance saloon to get this out, to get to, you know, coordinate with an Apple classical release in 2022. But it could happen. It still could happen. But if it doesn't happen, then it'll, you know, roll around till next year. And I don't think too many people will be that mad about it <laughs> yeah yeah they'll, they'll do the spring event with um with the with the, the m2 versions of the macbook m2, m2 pro and max versions of the macbook pro uh they'll have the all new home pod big home pod they'll have uh, uh airpods max with a with lossless support over the wire and apple tv soundbar the, apple tv soundbar yeah they'll have all that and it'll be a that'd be a wonderful event um so uh but yeah i it's one of the, I, I guess I was more interested in looking at it about the payment model and how that was different, and then all the the number of people who were on the team before who who you know just plugged right into the Apple Music team and and how that goes. So yeah, um, like we, it's a big investment for them. Yeah, it's just, yeah, that's why it's so interesting to me. Is I don't care about classical music. I just think it's really interesting that they felt like it was worth making a dedicated experience for that market because you know I'm not not just talking about like my personal taste in music, but you look at the overall spectrum, classical music is not that popular in the scheme of things, right? Like pop music is popular. That's why it's pop. Um, you know, hip hop is popular and rap is quite popular. So if they'd have done a, if they would decided to, to set out to do a separate application for like, you know, rap music or something or hip hop or something, I could get it more. But the fact they chose classical and yeah, it does have, obviously Prime Funnick existed as a business um, based on the, you know, differences in the model and the differences in listening uh, habits for classical versus normal music it still felt like small fry for apple but you know apple doesn't buy companies on on a on a whim they obviously see some value in here and split it out and so i'm i'm fascinated from that angle and then when it does eventually come out 
to see exactly how what the app looks like how it looks different to the main map music app like is it really worth having two separate applications could they have not just merged this stuff together somehow like when you're looking at a classical album just have a different ui or whatever because it it doesn't feel like it's going to be that far apart but maybe it will be and then it'd be really interesting hopefully it ships soon and then i'll i'll try it out and then never open it again because i don't care about classical music yeah it's the thing if you do care about it it matters a whole lot to you yeah like a lot of things these days because apple just get more and more as as time goes on the company's maturing into more and more niches really so you know everything they come out with doesn't apply to everyone it's just a fact yeah and, and a lot of what primephonic also was about was audio quality so uh, apple since caught up there i believe with everything that they were doing so uh and, and i you know i kind of doubt primephonic would have existed indefinitely <laughs> like, yeah we you know in, in in this age of streaming and so it's it's a really good match and it's competitive to, to spotify because you know even though we don't have apple's version of this yet um there definitely existed criticism of, of both services and if apple is does this sooner than apple you'll, you'll just think of Apple music as the one that has the good classical experience and spotify doesn't and this when, is complete uh slight tangent but there was a rumor that once again, that Apple Music is coming to Tesla cars because there was a leak of like an Apple Music true. logo on the Tesla home screen. So yeah, that could that, that's be another the, uh, market segment that Apple could could sweep up in. Yeah, and they do they do Apple Music specific apps in in cars. Like Tesla is the, the big one that people care about because there's no CarPlay and you, you do music over Bluetooth, which is just so old. Um, or you do Spotify built in or other services. And so, um, but Apple's done cars. Like they, they've even got one car where it's got lyric support on the screen for the passenger. <laughs> so, one um, of them's got spatial audio as well. That was announced not too long no, ago. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that Mercedes sounds cool. Benz, yeah, they had a press release in October. Apple yeah. Music and Mercedes Benz bring immersive spatial audio to drivers. See, that's the that's the overlap. Classical music, spatial audio, Mercedes Benz drivers. <laughs> it's gonna be great. <laughs> Obviously, you have to spend a lot of money to get one of those cars that's pulled it, but they, you know, they're 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 steaming full ahead. That's not that's not the right phrase, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, this week, Happy Hour is also brought to you by Adigy. Adigy helps you do more than just manage your Apple devices. Adigy is the only fully cloud-based, multi-tenant Apple MDM platform designed for scalability. Adigy gives you the features, functionality, and flexibility you need to customize and manage your Apple devices however you want. You can ensure your Apple infrastructure is optimized to best support your environment and help your team be as productive as possible every day with Adigy. Adigy helps you ensure every Apple device, that's Macs, iPhones, iPads, and more, are secure, supported, and ready to scale with features like zero-touch deployment, real-time device monitoring, self-service capabilities, and streamlined software update management. And Adigy has award-winning support. When you partner with Adigy, you get white glove support from a team of experts who live, eat, and breathe Apple. Adigy isn't a cookie-cutter MDM solution. They are dedicated to helping you secure and scale your environment sounds good let's get to work guarantee your apple success with adigy visit adigy.com slash 95 mac for a fast free and easy 14-day trial being proactive doesn't have to be a pain start your trial and learn why more than 4,000 companies are using adigy to remotely manage their apple devices that's adigy.com slash 95 mac a-d-d-i-g-y.com slash 95 mac thanks to adigy for sponsoring the show okay as it's thanksgiving as we're recording this i'm thinking about and when we're nearing the end of the episode i'm thinking about all the food i'm going to eat later and i'm also <laughs> thinking about the walk that i should probably take today as well it's you know nice nice thing to do and i was wondering man 
did they do uh, the Thanksgiving Day 5K Apple Watch Activity Challenge this year? No. Right? Like, what? <laughs> it went, yeah, they did it for a few years, and then it went away. And then it came back for a few years, and now we're back to, to no. That's one of the things that you think that they just do every single year. It's so simple. A, a, a 5K walk or, or run on Thanksgiving Day, and you have all of your turkey badges for each year that you've done this. And it's not possible because they, do the, they don't do the challenge every year. Yeah. The whims well. of Apple Incorporated. <laughs> yeah, I'm really, really curious to know what goes into that decision. And how, Who has how to choose do when they're doing a challenge? Because they, because yeah. it's not like they've abandoned it. They've done other new nope. challenges this year, like wholly new challenges this year with custom yep. assets and stuff. But some of the classic ones they just forget about and then come back to, I guess. Yeah, they could, they could have done an Apple Watch 50k challenge for Apple Watch Ultra customers or something. Yeah. They could. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, there's there's some uh, iPhone news. Uh, about the iPhone 15 Pro, about the design, the materials and everything. So what's going on with that rumor? I kind of like Yeah, it. so this is a bit sketchy still. We haven't got the firm grounded rumors for what the iPhone 15 lineup it's will really... look like yet. Um, we expect that the iPhone 15 non-pros will kind of retain the old design and the new design stuff will be for the pros only because it definitely seems Apple is trying to make the pro line even more distinct we, they obviously started this year by not giving the, the cheaper phones the uh, the island or the chip upgrade. And it seems like that trend set to continue because we're already hearing like Thunderbolt's going to be exclusive to the high-end phones, uh, periscope optical zoom lenses for the cameras, solid-state buttons, the A17 chip, all that stuff. And the latest rumor this week is talking about a titanium redesign. So supposedly the iPhone 15 Pro design will feature a titanium casing and they're rounded back rather than the square's edge as the current models. It was described as like a titanium version of the iPhone 5C in terms of how the edges roll over. But um, and that sounds kind of weird when you think about it, but it's actually not too far apart from like what the MacBook Pro looks like because the MacBook Pro is kind of that design where they have that rolled over edge. Uh, obviously, it's not made of titanium. It's just you know standard, standard aluminium, but still, that's the kind of idea. Um, but of course, this is a you know, an early rumor that isn't backed up by firm sources. We're still waiting for like Quo or someone to come out with the official, you know, the quote unquote official rumor for what to expect. Uh, But I think a redesign is probably in the cards because it has been a while with the same design. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was limited to the high-end phones. Titanium is more questionable because titanium, obviously they use titanium on the Apple Watch, but titanium as a metal is quite, you know, it's not, it's not produced in the same levels as like aluminium is um, or glasses. So, I'm not 100% sure that there's even like enough titanium supply in the world for Apple to be able to use it. Maybe if it's pro phones only, they can make it happen. Or maybe if it's like a super, because there's, there's been some, you know, mumblings about like an iPhone Ultra, like an even more expensive model. If it was limited to that model, then maybe they could make it niche enough for it to be fine. Uh, but as a mass market phone, I don't think there's enough titanium to meet Apple's needs. So that that kind of makes me shaky, uh, you know, a bit more shaky. But the whole like rounded edges stuff, um, that's kind of been the way, right? Where we have a rounded edge iPhone for a few years and they go to a square edge and they go back again and they flip-flop because as the iPhone becomes closer and closer just a piece of glass with no bezel, there's not much they can change to to, to, to mix the design up and make it fresh other than like whether it's rounded or square-edged. They could do teardrop where it gets... Teardrop, that is, <laughs> that is a big callback. Yeah, yeah. I like this idea. It's not, it's also, you know, I, I like the 5C comparison, not because of the material, but because of the shape. That's a pretty good indicator of, you know, of kind of what this is trying to say. 
but also, I mean, if you look at the Apple Watch Ultra, it's it's rounded sides. It does go inward a little bit before the screen um, has the flat top. But, you know, if we're talking about titanium, we're talking about the possibility of an Ultra phone. You can see that design language inspiring this. And um, maybe even you get a whole new set of Ultra products. You know, the maybe the, the big iPad has the same thing. And, uh, you know, it, this is this is the next phase of Apple's design. I could also see they bring the iPhone 15, iPhone 15 Pro, um, maybe, maybe the Pro only in one size, maybe in both sizes, but then have a single model of Apple Watch 15 Ultra, or excuse me, iPhone 15 Ultra, uh, not two sizes, it's just, just the, the only size is huge, and it's got the most battery life, and it's it's the biggest phone they have, but it's weighs less than the 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 15 pro max you know for example because of the difference in titanium and steel uh you know the best battery life because it, you know make it make it bigger thicker etc uh, and and that that'd be pretty compelling i think there were you know they could charge a lot for it yeah. <laughs> it would just be a continuation of the the normal the pro and then the one up from that they could go even higher market there and um so i, I like this and i guess isn't the the source is 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 um by way of Shrimp Apple Pro, which um, Shrimp Apple Pro, they tend to, they don't tend to be one of those flashy one year only, you know, yeah. pr- providers of information. Um, they're, they're pretty clear on this is what I have. This is how I know. Um, this is what I don't know. Versus, you know, years ago, there'd be like, crazy mock-ups of things that actually didn't come and claims that were leaps and bounds ahead of what the source was even saying so it's pretty pretty i'd say pretty conservative in terms of you know making projections about what apple's going to do yeah it's not outlandish yep yeah oh sounds sounds expensive and uh let's see what else we've got lastly we have the situation at twitter as it relates to apple this week so over the weekend, Phil Scheller, the um, Apple fellow, former uh, senior vice president of marketing, which is like the top, you know, w- one of the top gigs at Apple in terms of and, being and a despite member. being a fellow, still in charge of the App Store. <laughs> yeah, in, in some strange arrangement, but apparently he's still involved. He's not just like a a silent partner. Yeah, said to be involved with that planning Apple events and the production of those as well. Um, re- replaced by his deputy, uh, Greg Joswiak. So that, that's, that's it. But the thing with Schiller is this week he, he quit Twitter. Um, Joswiak's still on Twitter. So is Tim Cook. So is Apple for that matter, even though there was reports that Apple had, had deleted all of his tweets. They just never had any tweets. They're all sponsored tweets. Um, and so those don't show up on their, t- on their, their, their page. Um, but Phil Schiller definitely did quit, uh, leaving behind his uh, username, it'll take a month for that to go. You know that to be fully gone. So I guess within the thirty days, he could he could come back at any point and have all of his followers and tweets there. But without commenting, he's appeared to have protested the management uh, at Twitter. It just happened that I'd say the, the night of or day after um, Elon reinstated uh, former President Donald Trump's Twitter account. Uh, and again, like no statements or anything. It's just deletion. But I will say Schiller years ago left Instagram in a similar fashion. And the prompt there was Instagram releasing an Android app. That was it. 
<laughs> you know, and someone I think had emailed him or DM him on Twitter, and he said that they jumped the shark, and that was it. You know, that was it. So, um, I will say I will miss Phil Schiller on Twitter. I Phil Schiller is one of my favorite people at Apple, and, and as much as he's still there, uh, he tweeted out in two thousand seventeen a story that I wrote on January the first, and that was the coolest thing. And I had to go back and look in the archive, you know, again, way, way back, way back machine. And uh, even even to kind of find that. And so I included a screenshot of that and then the story I read about Schiller and and, and then Apple not leaving Twitter. Uh, but we'll, we'll miss him. Goodbye. Goodbye, Phil Schiller. I guess we'll have to just be email pals now. In more upbeat news, you're yeah. back on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Apollo Zach is back. <laughs> yeah. So that was cool. It was it was. Last Wednesday, I got an email at seven in the morning. And I was on my watch. I looked at it and it said, um, "We've unsuspended your account." And I was like, "Cool, today's going to be a good day." And then, uh, you know, so wait a few hours and all your followers will be back. Everything. So, but I couldn't log in, and it, and so I had to file like a. And I said, if, you, "If anything's wrong, you know, file a new claim." So I did that, and it took took the full week. But um, Finally got an email back and it said, you know, reset your password and you're good to go and everything. And so I did that because what would happen before was my account was still there. You could see it, um, but I just it wouldn't let me log in. It would it it would fail to identify that there was even the account. So uh, so, yeah, I'm back in full force at Apollo Zach on Twitter. Uh, it cannot change my display name. So in losing the account before they had replaced the name Elon Musk with a period. And because the account is legacy verified or verified general, uh, I'm not able to change the, the the name of the account yet. So you can change your photo, your your header image, your bio, you know, all that. But, but you're that, still that's adult. that's what they're that you know that's the method right now to limit impersonation is to not allow verified accounts to change their display name within a certain period of time or something. I guess. So. And you obviously your original protest was taking on the name and the picture of Elon Musk. Before the celebrities did it too, I would say. Yeah, other people. Yeah, yeah. You you definitely led the charge there, and then other it people became did a it. trend. Uh, and you can have some credit because Musk has said that the reinstatement of the Twitter Blue program is delayed further while they work out a system which can stop impersonation. So that's right. And and they've added a mention in the uh, the rules page, which is a live document that changes every few hours. That I see for. You'll need to have a Twitter account, I think, for 90 days before you can even purchase Twitter Blue for verification when they when they go for that route, that route. So you can't just make an account on a whim and fire it up for the sake of impersonating somebody else. You'll have to you have to get a three month head time on that. So and they're not, not a, doing some like official separate tick thing for like organizations to manage and stuff. So the original the, plan yeah. of anyone can get a blue tick and it all looks the same. Uh, that went quickly out the window. <laughs> we're slowly getting back to the way it used it's to be. designed in the first place. Yeah and, yeah, and they've got the official badge, which is pretty much like if you're an advertising partner, they put official on your account so that you don't get um, uh, impersonated and, and things go terribly wrong. Um, but I think the, the, the latest thing is that they're out there is like maybe an orange tick for, 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 for governments and brands. So whatever. I'm just, I'm just happy to actually have my account back because I knew when I was doing that, it was a risk of losing it. And, you know, obviously it was gone, but then whenever they were like, I don't know, reinstating former presidents that lost their accounts, I was like, eh, 
I feel like mine isn't as egregious. So, that was the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I'm great, what I'm happy about though is, well, on the OMFG Zach account, about 500 people came over there. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And on the Apollo Zach account, you know, that's, that's a decade of, of being on Twitter, more than a decade of being on Twitter. And so, the community there is just a, a lot more, a, a lot more sizable. And it's to me, I, I consider it like kind of like an internet passport of like my identity. Like I hate that it is that because, you know, it's, it's connected to Twitter in such a, yep. you know, direct way, but it's true. And then beyond that, I also consider it like hyper uh, localized Google search because I can ask a question that, you know, I go type into, into a search, into a search box and, you know, you'd just be at the mercy of forums, et cetera. But on, on Twitter, my followers tend to have the similar interest that I have. And so I can ask a question there and get the correct answer back in, in just a few minutes. So um, it does does have value to me. Uh, um, not that I check and um, tie any of it to my own self-worth, but I have noticed over the last uh, month since Musk has owned Twitter that my follower account has actually gone down by hundreds of followers. So. I yeah yeah I I I'm not counting either uh but I did go from 16.1 to 15.9 while while my account was out of my control <laughs> so yeah I had I, over 27,000 and I'm at 26.7 yeah well, so I, right I, so <laughs> Musk maybe Musk is deleting some accounts somewhere maybe well, I'll pe- spam people are, or something I don't know yeah and people are deactivating and going elsewhere yeah as well. and people are leaving and stuff but yeah well I, I'm mm-hmm. sure how many I, I, I'm not sure how many people are actually leaving versus just keeping their account, uh, like not using their account and trying out Mastodon well, or something for a bit. Well, Shiller Sh- left. Shiller left, that is true. Yeah, but Phil Shiller didn't follow me, so. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right, well, uh, that is the Happy Hour Podcast for the week. We hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving holiday and uh, a great week, great week ahead. If you have any feedback for the show, you want to ask us a question maybe for a future episode, you can email Benjamin and I together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at ApolloZach. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at BZMA. And we will be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.